In Shakespeare's story of Hamlet, Polonius goes to his son Laertes and he says, to thine own self be true. And that's the takeaway. Be true to yourself. I know when you walk out the door in the morning, you may put on a mask in order to get through the day, but look in the mirror before you walk out the door. If you'll be true to yourself, you won't need the mask. You just heard from Branch Izole. In today's episode, Branch is going to share some amazing exercises to build better communication in your relationships. Also, we're going to discuss the different levels of pain and the seven R's that people in relationships can use as an opportunity to address issues and work towards finding a solution to reconcile and repair the situation and repair the relationships. Welcome to La Vida, Love Vitamins for a Healthier Relationship, a podcast made by partners for partners. This is Rashi. And this is Anj. Communication. Communication is the key. Every therapy session, every counselor, anybody who is dealing with relationships will always say communication is the key. It makes sense, right? But what can you do to improve your communication? How can you create an open communication in your relationship? Rashi, let me ask you, can you think of how people can communicate better in a relationship? Hmm, I don't know. You just talk it out, right? I mean, it, it has to be just that simple. Branch, can you share any tips on that? You sit in a chair facing each other and you sit knee to knee and you take mm -hmm. each other's hands and you hold hands. So you're as close as you can get without in their space, without hugging, basically. And then you look them in the eye and then you start the conversation. And this contact gives you that intimacy that when you're far apart or on the couch and, and somebody's on the chair and there's that distance. When you have that physical distance, it's much easier to keep that verbal distance as well. So you want to make contact, knees and hands, eyes locked, and then you are at a place of intimacy that you can start to discuss what the situation is. I really love that because you're creating a physical anchor for something that can be quite challenging, which is expressing our ideas using our words. Sometimes I feel like we arrive at the feeling state, what our feelings are trying to communicate, but then that journey that we take to express it using our words, it can be quite difficult and leave a lot of room for, I think you said this and that misinterpretation, which creates, again, those additional barriers for the, for the conversations. So I love how this practice kind of helps to create that physical anchor. I love it because you're sort of involving all your senses or most of your senses in that conversation by sitting next to each other, touching each other, knee to knee, or you're holding hands, looking at each other. So it does open that space for vulnerability. Once we've established the space, how do we start the conversation? If we're here to discuss a challenge in our relationship, who's the one responsible to start? How do you practice this, Branch? So what we do in my relationship with my wife is we've been together long enough now that we pretty well know each other and the things and the behaviors that we can expect. We both realize that we have strengths 
and we have weaknesses. So what we do is we try to get that 50-50, knowing that it can't always be there, but we also know that in any given situation that we're facing, one of us is stronger than the other one. One of us has better skill sets to handle leading into the situation and finding resolution. So what we do is when I know that she has the better skill set or is more confident or has the strength to lead us in that conversation or that situation, I simply let her lead. When I have a stronger skill set, then she lets me lead. And whoever is the leader then opens the conversation and says, this is what I'm thinking about what we're facing and perhaps what we should do or try to correct it or fix it or go on. The other person takes the backseat, but is, is the cheerleader. I support her because I recognize she has the strength in this situation. I allow her to lead. And then that allows me to sort of throw my two cents in where it seems appropriate, where it's a supportive kind of thought. And so that's how we handle it. And by doing that, we get closer to that 50-50 balance where what she's saying has value for both of us because it's something that both of us are trying to correct or change. And what I have to say in my input has value also. So we don't get in that, I know more than you do, or I'm better equipped for this than you are. And no, you're not. We just don't go to that negative place. What this does, it allows us to identify the problem quickly, put out some options for solution quickly, and then we have a third step. We always have our 24-hour rule. When we're finished talking about the situation, we set it aside for at least 24 hours. And when we come back, we, we re-engage. We're both in a better place mentally. We've had time to do other things that we need to do in our life. But when we come back, then we might have thought about it a little bit differently than what we would have said in the conversation. So we pick it back up 24 hours later and allows us to find a solution very, very quickly. What do you do when, when there's conflict, when you disagree on things? On um, who has that strength? Yeah, on who has that strength or you both have different opinions on a matter. How do you resolve that? How do you get past that? Great question. We, we simply say, say, is this a deal breaker? Is this the end of our relationship? Because if we don't address that part of it, it, it that's hopefully that's not a possibility. But if we don't get that out on the table right away, then through all of this talk and when we're talking, we both got our mental conversation going. And so it's easy to kind of go down that path where if I wasn't with you, it'd be different. And if you don't want to be there, then don't be there. But if you do want to be there, then say you want to be there. That's the place to start. So we say leaving the toilet seat up, is that a deal breaker? Well, <clears throat> It may or may not be, but can you put the toilet seat down every time you go to the bathroom? So you've got to decide, is this issue, is this problem, is the trouble we're facing right now, is it going to destroy our relationship? 
And in, unless you've done something so egregious to harm your partner, the chances are it's not going to end the relationship. But we want to get away from that thought right out of the gate. So that's what we do. Is this a deal breaker? Is this the end of the relationship over this situation? And if it's not, okay, right. good. Now let's talk, let's talk about the problem, but let's find the solution. The sooner we can find the solution, the better we become as partners and the faster and farther ahead we can move as partners. Don't hide from it. You can't hide from it. You got to get it right out there. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes when we are getting really emotionally riled up about something, it's very easy to just want to have that emotionally loaded conversation about I'm right, you're wrong, I should never have been in this place, and derail the productivity of finding a solution for this issue that you're actually facing to become a who's who's better. Whose, whose problem is more important, whose perspective is more right. Yeah. But when we snip that in the bud and we say, you know what? Yeah, you could be right, but do you want to actually be in this conversation and find a way forward? Like, is that what's the most important part of what we're doing here? That really moves things right along in the fact that people can have differing opinions. Let me mention two things that you just touched on. Number one, we all know what loving behavior looks like. We mm -hmm. also know what unloving behavior looks like. And when you're in a situation and when you're in a relationship, when the other party is not acting appropriately and it's not loving behavior, then you need to call it out. Because if you tell me mm -hmm. that you love me, then even if we're having an issue, you should still respect me enough to respond with loving behavior. That's the first issue. The second thing is we all come into relationships in an infatuation stage. When relationships end and we look back on the relationship, what's interesting is a lot of times immediately after the breakup, we look at all the negative things and all the things, oh, I should have known that because... He kept doing this. We also, the farther we get out of the relationship, we start to remember all of the good things. What you want to take from that is now that you know what the good things of the past relationship were and the negative mm -hmm. things of the past relationship, going forward, you only get into relationships where you recognize and build upon the good things. As soon as you recognize the negative things, the red flags again, in the new relationship, you immediately put a stop to it by either correcting it mm -hmm. with the exercises we're talking about or by terminating the relationship. Too many people are in relationships where they continue bad behavior or they continue to allow bad behavior and get into this downward spiral that leads to all kinds of inappropriate behavior. We all have within us the understanding and the acknowledgement of loving behavior and unloving behavior. When you recognize both, then you know how to respond to both. As soon as you've identified the unloving behaviors, how does one go about trying to repair that relationship and 
make that into a loving behavior. Can you talk about the steps to do that? Let me begin by saying this is not a substitute for professional help. There's nothing that will help you more than professional counseling, professional therapy, because you're able to relate to a third party who's not invested in your problem other than helping you find a solution. Now, that being said, what you often find when there's an issue between a partners is that the partner who has done the harm, that is the, the transgressor, the one who hurt the other party, a lot of times their natural instinct is to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, let's move on. There's a problem with that. And that is if you have harmed someone verbally or physically or doing something outside of your relationship, there's three actual pain levels that are taking place. And by saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, let's move on, that's only addressing the first level, which is the manifested act that's caused the pain. Below that is a level of betrayal. And by saying, I'm sorry, let's move on, that's not addressing anything other than, I did this and I'm sorry for it and I want to move on from it. I won't do it again. That second level is betrayal. And when the person who has been harmed feels betrayal, that first action of let's move on isn't going to cut it. It's not going to help. Even deeper than that is the third level of trust. When we've committed some act that's caused harm, we have betrayed the vow or the agreement that we've had between us as partners in the relationship. And when we've betrayed that by the action, we have caused a breach of trust. And whether this is in an intimate relationship between partners, spouses, a relationship between parents and children, or a relationship at work, when there's been a breach of trust, if that trust is never rebuilt, the likelihood is that relationship will never be rebuilt as well. So let's look at the seven steps real quick. The first step, you have to, you have to recognize that you have harmed the other party. So when I do something that harms my partner, I have to recognize that even though I think it was something so simple and, and so menial, if she was harmed or if he was harmed, that I've created that harm. And I have to recognize that I didn't think it was much, but she thinks it's a lot to her. The second step is I have to take responsibility for my action. I can't make excuses. I can't blame somebody or something else. I have to understand and take responsibility that what I did caused my partner harm. The third step is I have to have regret. I have to feel sorry that I did this to my partner. There has to be a level of regret there that I recognize. The next step is I have to have remorse. Now, a lot of people say, well, what's the difference? Isn't regret and remorse the same thing? Well, it's not. When I have regret, my regret is that I hurt you. When I have remorse, 
the remorse is that I would do that to you. So the regret is my action towards you. The remorse is the emotional tie that how could I do that to the person that I declare that I love or care for. Next level is redress. We have to come up with a solution or a correction to the action. We've got to find something that works instead of me doing that or going to that place again. Sixth step is repetition. I have to know that I cannot repeat that action in the future. If I repeat it, then everything that I've professed to you about change won't take place. So repeating it has to be out out of the equation. And the seventh step is Mm -hmm. repent. I have to repent. And now a lot of people say, well, isn't that religious? You know, isn't that a spiritual thing? Well, yeah, it is part of your relationship with your God. But repentance is actually that future change. It can never happen again. It can never be repeated again. And the way that it won't be repeated again is in the future, my actions, my attitude, my perception will change. You will see different and future change. And so if you go through these seven steps, there's only two caveats. Number one, both people have to agree to go through all seven steps. If one person won't go through the seven steps, then that's telling you something very evident about whether or not they want to be in the relationship. So both people have to agree to complete the seven steps. The second caveat is they may not work. This is an opportunity for you to start on that repair path and get to that place where, okay, now we, we've gotten through all the basic stuff that the counselor is going to ask us in the first three sessions. We can go to the counselor with the mm-hmm. meat of the problem. But... If one person refuses to go through the seven steps, then that's evidence that maybe this is not, repair is not in the future. The two caveats that you mentioned, the first one that both people have to be willing to go through the seven steps, I think that calls out a very important concept, which is that if something has gone wrong, both people are involved in different ways. It's not just one person's complete fault or responsibility. And therefore it's not the entire burden of change or going through the seven R's is not on them. Sure. Like you said earlier, we were talking about who starts the conversation. One person might start the conversation as the transgressor or perhaps as the harmed person, but that doesn't mean that both people aren't going to be involved in going through this emotional journey of reconciliation. And I think that was such an important caveat to call out because a lot of the times it's like, you did wrong, you have to fix it, it's all on you, I'm waiting here, I'm waiting here for my apology, and then that's it. (laughs) Branch, is there any other message, anything else you want to share with our listeners? I have two things, and thank you so much for asking. If your listeners have enjoyed what we've talked about today, then do me a favor, go to the platform you're hearing this on and give Lovito Relationships a good review and a great comment that you enjoyed what we talked about. The second thing I'd like to say is a lot of, a lot of people ask me in one sentence, give me a takeaway. So here it is. 
In Shakespeare's story of Hamlet, Polonius goes to his son Laertes and he says, to thine own self be true. And that's the takeaway. Be true to yourself. I know when you walk out the door in the morning, you may put on a mask in order to get through the day, but look in the mirror before you walk out the door. If you'll be true to yourself, you won't need the mask. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had an absolute pleasure talking to you and learning from your experiences and your recommendations. It's been an honor for me, my dear. Thank you. And you guys be good to each other. To reach out to our guest, check the links in the description below. If you liked the episode, the best way to share is to ask, do you take love vitamins? Small doses over time is how you grow the love. If you have something to share, there's a form you can fill in the description below. We hope you enjoyed listening. We'll see you next week.